0: Good morning, church. Happy Sabbath. Yeah, before I begin, uh, I would like to, to pray. So if you can bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity for you to use me as an instrument to deliver your message. Please um, invite your Holy Spirit and um, allow everyone to leave here blessed. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. If you have ever heard of Ancestry.com or 23andMe, you know that sometimes people try to look into the past, see who am I and why am I the way I am today. Now, today, we're not going to be going into our physical DNA, but I want to talk about what makes us Seventh-day Adventists, what it means, who we are, and why we are who we are. Let's break it down. Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, According to uh, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, 1828, seventh day is advocating or practicing observance of Saturday as the Sabbath. Adventism is the doctrine that the second coming of Christ and the end of the world are near at hand. So using a dictionary, you can uh, figure out what does it mean? What does Seventh-day Adventist mean? Now, I was thinking about it, and how do you know that Saturday is the Sabbath without using the Bible? If you look up Friday in the dictionary, you can see that it says the sixth day of the week. If you look up Sabbath, older dictionaries would say Saturday, but newer ones say Saturday or Sunday. But the sixth day is Friday, and we know in the Bible it says the seventh day is the Sabbath. So that could leave only one option. Pop quiz. Where did the term Seventh-day Adventist come from? Who coined this term? Hint, hint, he was known as the most honest man in Battle Creek, Michigan. If you answered Ellen G. White, you are correct. Wait a second, I said the most honest man, just making sure you're paying attention. His name was David Hewitt. David Hewitt was known as the most honest man in town, and he was also known as the first Seventh-day Adventist. He suggested the term Seventh-day Adventist on October 1st, 1860, and they had a meeting of 25 delegates in order to determine whether they would want to have this term. After a vote, it ended up being 24 to one. After I researched this, I still want to know who is that one, and I want to know why. Since October 1st, 1860, the Seventh-day Adventist church has grown exponentially. When they first coined the term on October 1st, 1860, we only had about 3,000 members. Today, well, in December 31st, 2018, we have 21 million 414,779 members. In addition, we have 88,718 churches, 72,843 companies, and a baptism rate of or 1,262,998. <laughs> True or false? The Seventh-day Adventists are the only denomination beside the Jewish faith that observe the Seventh-day Sabbath. You are correct. It is false. Sabbatarian churches include the Seventh-day Adventists, Seventh-day Baptists, Seventh-day Assembly of Yahweh, Seventh-day Church of God, Seventh-day House of Yahweh, Seventh-day Local Apostle. Uh, Apostolic Church of God, Seventh-day Remnant Fellowship, Sabbath Rest Advent Church, Seventh-day Remnant Church, and Subotnics. So what do Seventh-day Adventists believe? Even though we have 28 fundamental beliefs, I couldn't do all of them for the sake of time, but I chose the ones that that vary between different um, denominations. So Holy Scriptures, Holy Scriptures, uh, most Christian denominations, if not all, believe. John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We also believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There is is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a unity of three co-eternal persons. God is immortal. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. He is above all and ever-present. He's infinite and beyond human comprehension. Yet known through his self-revelation, God, who is love, is forever worthy of worship adoration, and service by the whole creation. <coughs> There's several examples of the Trinity, evidence that it exists. In Deuteronomy 6.4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Genesis 1.26 refers, refers to God with our, let us create him, them in our image. Isaiah 6.8 refers to God with us. And Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The life, death, and resurrection of Christ. As Seventh-day Adventists, we believe Jesus was born, and he came to this earth in order to die for our sins. And then after three days, he was resurrected. John 3:16 says, "For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life." Matthew 16:21 says, "From that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day." The state of the dead The wages of sin is death, but God, who alone is immortal, will grant eternal life to his redeemed. Until that day, death is an unconscious state for all people. When Christ, who is our life, appears, the resurrected righteous and the living righteous will be glorified and caught up to meet their Lord. The second resurrection, the resurrection of unrighteous, will take place a thousand years later. As Seventh-day Adventists, we believe that... um, when we die, we go into a sleep until Jesus comes. There's different denominations that believe that once you die, you go to heaven. So that's one of the main differences. Ecclesiastes 9.5 says, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten." Baptism. As Seventh-day Adventists, we believe in baptism through immersion, not sprinkling. By baptism, we confess our faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and testify of our death to sin and of our purpose to walk in the newness of life. Thus, we acknowledge Christ as Lord and Savior, become his people, and are received as a member of his church. Baptism is a symbol of our union with Christ, the forgiveness of our sins, and our reception of the Holy Spirit. It is by immersion in water and it is contingent of on an affirmation of faith in Jesus, an evidence of repentance of sin. It follows instruction in the Holy Holy Scriptures and acceptance of their teaching. Acts 2.38 says, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The second coming of Christ. There's, there's different denominations that believe that um, there's the rapture when Jesus will come as a thief in the night, but we know that that means that he's going to come unexpected. No one knows when a thief is going to come, and that's why it's, it's very complex, because uh, when he comes as a thief in the night, it's not, if we knew he was coming, uh, you'd be ready for a thief, But Jesus is coming out as a surprise. That's the main difference. It's not that he's gonna take certain certain ones of us and we're just gonna see, poof, she's gone, where'd she go? That's not how it works. The second coming of Christ is the blessed hope of the church, the grand climax of the gospel. The Savior's coming will be literal, personal, visible, and worldwide. When he returns, the righteous dead will be resurrected, and together with the righteous living, will be glorified and taken to heaven, but the unrighteous will die. The almost complete fulfillment of most lines of prophecy, together with the present condition of the world, indicates that Christ's coming is near. The time of that event has not been revealed, and we are therefore exhorted to be ready at all times. John 14, 1 through three says, "'Let not your heart be troubled. "'You believe in God, believe also in me, "'in my Father's house, There are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. It's one of the greatest promises ever. Knowing that God's, God's preparing a place for you and that out of everyone in the world, he's making sure that you have a spot right next to him in his new kingdom. Being Adventist is more than what you believe or obeying God's laws. It's a lifestyle. The Adventist lifestyle, everything you do, it's your appearance, your behavior, your attitude, your way of life should be Christ-like. Not just as Seventh-day Adventists, but as Christians, we should be we should be as close to God's character as we can. God is love, so we should be loving too. The health message. At Seventh-day Adventists, we were given the health message on June 6, 1863, when Ellen G. White received a vision of health. As time goes on, we, knowledge increases and uh, we open up more hospitals, sanitariums. We have Battle Creek, Michigan that opens up, and the, the expansion of knowledge just in the medical field is it's exponential. There's no limits to it, and it's still continuing to grow today. The, the Adventist health system is one of the premier in the world. Since then, we have received knowledge of the benefits of plant-based lifestyle and eating according to biblical principles. It is now time for a challenge. We're gonna play a little game called, What Would You Do? As the Seventh-day Adventist, what would you do? Now, I just just want you to think about to yourself, what, what would you do in this situation? Imagine your friends are throwing a party Friday night and they have invited you, what would you do? What if the party is Saturday, one hour before sunset? What would you do? Imagine you're approached by someone of a different faith. As they start asking you questions, do you firmly express what you believe or do you run for the hills? And as kids too, do you, know, do you know why you're Seventh-day Adventist? It's not, you're not coming to church just because your parents come. And this has happened to me before, so I, I want to speak from experience. Um, someone sometimes, like people will come up to me, and I, I, sometimes I'm not ready. It just comes out of the blue. And I know when I'm with my dad, I'm all right. I'll say, okay, dad, explain. But I know personally, I... I feel like after a situation like that, I need to study more, I need to know why. Why am I a Seventh-day Adventist and why do I believe what I believe? So yeah, do you run for the hills? Can you, can you stand there and explain what does this mean? Why do I do this? Imagine your, friend, your family is invited by some coworkers to a New Year's party. They offer you a perfectly cooked Slice of honey-baked ham. What do you do? Imagine it's Friday night when you realize your favorite TV show is on. What would you do? Imagine you see a young boy being bullied because he is wearing a T-shirt that expresses his love for Jesus. What would you do? If you saw a man beaten up on the side of the road, would you actually be a good Samaritan? Especially in, in today's time. Would you, if you saw someone hurting on the side of the road, would you pull over? Would you stop? Would you help them? In my mind, I, I always think of the story of the good Samaritan. I, I say that, yeah, if I saw a man and I was just walking or I was on my donkey, sure, I would stop, see if he's all right, help him out. But, you know, sometimes when you're on, you're on I-75, you're going 70 miles an hour, you see a car with lights and maybe some smoke. You're like, I hope he's all right. And you keep driving. But, you know, what would you do? Would you actually be a good Samaritan? So I want you to reflect on, on these questions. I wanna reflect on your, your strengths and your weaknesses as an Adventist. Remember, no one's perfect. No one is, is sinless. I just want you to, to, to make it personal. What would you do, but what would you like to do now? What, what, how do you feel about all these questions? Is there something you might wanna change? As January 1st comes around the corner, we're all thinking of our New Year's resolutions. Maybe we're thinking about um, our physical New Year's resolutions. Maybe um, trying to do better with school and our kids. Not my kids, but uh, but we need to be stronger in the faith. So maybe it's time that we have some more spiritual resolutions. Our job as the chosen, as the remnant people, the last the people... In the last days. Our job is to share God's message. So how can we do that if we're not ready ourselves? We need to be ready. We need to equip ourselves, transform ourselves, and deploy ourselves out there so we can do the same for others. We need to equip others. We need to help transform them with God's help so we can deploy them as well. And the only way to do this is to know why we believe what we believe. So... We need to understand that we're not alone in this. We have God on our side, and we have each other. So, as, as New Year's comes around, I want you to make at least one, at least one goal that will help you to be a better Seventh-day Adventist. 1 Peter 5.9 says, Resist him, steadfast, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood, in the world will you be able to resist satan's temptations will you be able to be steadfast in the faith who will you be in 2020 think about who you are right now and who you want to be will you be a better adventist